chapter, there's one chapter, verse 9. I think that's right before the book of Hebrews. Let's uh, notice that. Philemon, verse 9. Notice, yet for love's sake, this is, this is the Apostle Paul. He's speaking here. And he says, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul. Paul the aged, or another way to say that, some translations translate that, Paul, a man of great age, or an old man, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Notice Paul refers to himself as the aged, or the aged one, or a man of many years, an old man. Uh, The first time we see Paul in scripture, he's... His name is Saul, and he's referred to as a young man. And uh, when Stephen was being stoned, they laid their, the the people stoning Stephen laid their coats and things at the feet of a young man named Saul. And now we see him here in Philemon as he writes this letter. So many, 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 many years later, and he's no longer a young man, he's an old man. And... uh, This was just prior to him being um, martyred, put to death. But notice an old man, an aged man. And whenever somebody's of many years, great age, they've had many birthdays, haven't they? And uh, and many anniversaries, you know. And so today we're celebrating the 19th anniversary of, of Summit Church. And so, you know, I'd title this message for lack of something better, happy anniversary. And uh, uh, 19 years ago, we, uh, we started at the direction of the Lord Summit Church. And, uh, of course, today after the service, we're going over to the Sparks House for, for lunch. And so we appreciate them opening their home up and allowing us to come. That's very kind of them. We appreciate that. But uh, 19 years ago... Today, uh, this time we we started Summit Christian Church. Now, uh, we started actually in our house uh, on Summit Hills Drive here in Fenton. We started uh, there and we had Bible studies for, you know, several months. And uh, sometimes a bunch of people would come. Sometimes nobody would come. The nights when nobody would show up, Diane and I would go have uh, a snow cone. And... uh, and so that's what we would do. And then, you know, uh, I remember the one night our, our living room was, was totally full of folks. So, but in the process of time, we felt the Lord speak to our heart and direct us to go to Summit, Rockwood Summit High School and rent a room. What, what I felt he told me was go down there, rent a room and teach my word. And so that's what we did. And so we started at Rockwood Summit High School and we met there for four years. We, we uh, as things began to grow, we, we had a trailer that we hooked to the back of the, to the uh, of the van, and we we remember we'd set up and and uh, tear down every every service, and we did that uh, for for four years. And in the process of time, we uh, bought this property and uh, built this building, and uh, and so we've been on this site for. I guess 15 years, so 15 here and four at the school would be 19 years total. And so as I was, was uh, uh, praying about this service, it just seemed good that we would recount uh, the last 19 years by looking at the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And as we already said, the scripture said he was an old man, an aged man, so he had many birthdays, many anniversaries, and you know, I've heard people, you know, they, they say, well, you know, I'm going to be 50. Well, you know what? We ought to rejoice we made it. Is that right? Oh, I'm going to be 60. Well, you ought to rejoice. You made it. Oh, I'm going to be 70. Well, rejoice. You made it. A lot of people don't make it to 40. Is that right? I'm going to be 80. Hey, glory to God. You made it. Is that right? Is that right? And so look at, look at birthdays as good things, not things of drudgery. I'm, is that right? And so, uh, but what we, and, and you need to realize when it comes to a church, 
If you study statistics, which I'm not going to go through here this morning, but the odds of starting a church from scratch with no assistance from an outside organization and, and, and the same couple, the same pastor, going 19 years, is it, it happens, but it's almost unheard of. Do you understand that? And so we're, we're greatly thankful to the Lord that we've been, we've been able to make it this far. But uh, uh, what I want to do is show you four things that Paul faced in his life, in his ministry, that we all face in our lives that tried to stop him from having anniversaries, that tried to stop him from making it. And then I want to show you four things that he did that all of us should do that will allow us to have many anniversaries, okay? So that's what we want to do. Four things that, that we all deal with, that he dealt with, that tried to stop him, and four things that he did that we all should do that will cause us to make it and have many birthdays, many anniversaries, and so on. The first thing that faced Paul was skeptics. Skeptics. When he first got saved, Saul became Paul. Many, many people found his changed life and new motives hard to believe. How many remember that in Scripture? When he first got saved and, and he began preaching for Jesus instead of against him, the Bible says, and I'll just read for the sake of time, just read some of these Scriptures to you. Immediately, it says, Paul preached Jesus as the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said... Is this not he who destroyed those who once called upon the name of Jesus? And then there's another verse that says that Saul, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. So whenever we start out on, on uh, an assignment that God has given us or something he's direct us, directed us to do, whether it's starting a church or whether it's uh, uh, something that he's directed you to do in your life for him, particularly for him, there's always going to be skeptics. Always going to be skeptics. And I know when, uh, when, when the Lord laid it upon uh, my heart and Diane's heart to, to go to, to Bible school back in 1989... I had just finished a, a mathematics degree and I was teaching mathematics here in the St. Louis area and uh, at the, the junior high, high school, college level, junior college level. And, and uh, uh, the Lord directed us to, to go to Bible school and we met all kinds of skepticism. And people told us, you know, that you'll never make it. And if you go to Bible school and quit, quit your jobs and go to Bible school, you know, you'll, you'll never make it. Now, we worked all, the, all during the time that we were in Bible school. Not one person gave us one penny for Bible school. Nobody helped us. The Lord helped us. We worked. He provided jobs supernaturally. And people would say, would said, you know, they're going to go down there to Oklahoma and wind up out on the street and... And, uh, you know, they're going to starve and all of that. Well, you know, we never did. Glory to God. But they're skeptics, you know. And then when we, when we started this church, you know, there was all kinds of skeptics that, you know, they'll never make it. They'll never make it past, you know, six months. And most, most of them don't. Most of them don't make it, make it longer than six months, you know. Well, they'll never make it. They'll never make it. They'll never make it in the school. Well, we made it in the school. Then they said, well, they'll never make it, you know, buying that, that property. They'll never, they'll never make it because there were some old farmhouses on this ground. And, and we had to tear those down for, we, we had to spend a bucket load of money to buy this ground. Then we had to spend a bucket load of money to tear those old farmhouses down before we ever got started on spending a bucket full of money to build this. You follow what I'm saying? Well, they'll never be able to do it. They'll never be able to do it. And, and I was a little concerned back in that. I always had peace in my heart, but sometimes in your head, you know, you get... <laughs> so the one day, uh, uh, I remember I went into this gas station right up the street here to get a Diet Coke, you know. And uh, I went in there, and, and so 
uh, we were in the process of, we were just going to, getting started to, you know, where we were going to be building here. And I, I uh, just, I asked the girl behind the counter, you know, probably a 21 year old girl behind the counter. I said, so she didn't know who I was. I said, so up the street here, what are they, what are they doing up the street here? You know, I was up there and I just, what are they, oh, she said, yeah, some, somebody thinks he's going to build a church up there, but they'll never get that done. That really, really encouraged me. Even, even a clerk at Sitco didn't think we could do it. They'll never get that. They'll never do that. They'll never, they'll never get that done. Well, that really encouraged me. Well, we got it done. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Paul met skeptics. We're all going to have to deal with skeptics. And then the next thing that Paul dealt with was opposition. Opposition. When he began his ministry as an apostle, he was immediately met with opposition from the devil and people yielding to the devil. You know, dealing with the devil is one thing, but when you have to deal with people yielding to the devil, that, that, that makes it even more challenging. You know, there's a lot of people, including Christians, that yield to the devil. I just don't believe that. Well, have you ever seen a Christian gossip? Well, they just yielded to the devil, didn't they? Huh? And so Paul met with great opposition. When he stepped out as an apostle and began his ministry, immediately there was Elmaeus, Elmaeus the sorcerer, a warlock, stood up against Paul and withstood him and tried to stop him. And then as Paul went along, the Bible says, when the Jews saw the multitudes that gathered to hear Paul preach, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed Notice they oppose, the Bible says, the things spoken by Paul. And then there's another verse that says, The Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city. And they raised up persecution against Paul and expelled him or kicked him out of their town and out of their region. That's opposition. See, when you step out to do the thing that God wants you to do, you're going to meet with opposition. There's another scripture that talks about Alexander. Paul talks about this guy, Alexander the coppersmith. And this, you can make argument that this man once stood by Paul's side and helped him in ministry. But Paul says of this man that he did me much harm. And so there were people that opposed Paul, uh, people that, that did not agree with him, and then even people that did walk with him for a while, they, 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 they came to oppose him and, and, and did him much harm. You know, Paul talks at one point about false brethren. And, you know, one thing I've noticed over the years in pastoring is that it's interesting. Have you ever looked at, a, at a, somebody you thought was a Christian and the way they're acting and conducting themselves? You scratch your head and you think, I wonder, they say they're a Christian, but they sure don't act like it. Have you ever seen anybody like that? False brethren, false sistren. I, Paul had a lot of trouble with these people that claimed to be Christians, but they would oppose him and come against him and say all kinds of things about him, you know, that wasn't true. So opposition. I know when we started this church, uh, I know when we w- applied for the permits, I know St. Louis County opposed us. And uh, I know once we bought the property and and uh, <laughs> bucket load of money and uh, the county, when we applied for the permits to build this building, they wanted us to dedicate, well, they called it dedicate and I call it steal, but they wanted 20 foot, of property out here, road frontage for future expansion. And, and when I, I, I figured it up, said, well, I'll just charge them uh, by the square foot how much that is, you know, and nothing doing on that. They wanted us to just dedicate it to them for free. And I said, well, I'm not going to do it. And they said, well, we're not going to give you the permits to build a building. That's opposition, you see. So we went ahead and dedicated it. We had no other choice, but we're still going. Can you say amen? amen? And then we've had some opposition from the neighbors. Now, most of these neighbors around here are good people, wonderful people, fantastic people, and we've always cooperated with them and, and, uh, and helped them in any way that we can. But I remember, I remember uh, well, a kind of humorous thing. There's one guy back over here. I don't think he lives there anymore, but I, I don't know. But he, he was, gave us some trouble when we were building the church and... 
And uh, he didn't want a church here. He didn't want no church. I don't want no church there. And I guess I understand where he's coming from. I said, well, would you rather have a quick trip, you know, because that's what they wanted to put here back then is they wanted this property for a quick trip. And uh, you need to realize this property was dedicated to the Lord back in, I guess, the late 1800s, early 1900s. There was a minister that lived here, and he dedicated this land to the Lord back then for his service. And I didn't know that. We didn't know that until after we had built this building and got in here. Somebody came by one day and, and, and told us about that. And actually he planted some of these big trees in the form of a shape of a cross. And this, built, this ground was dedicated to the work of the Lord. Well, it's being used for the work of the Lord. But this guy back over here, he has given us some trouble and whatnot. And, and uh, so the one day I kind of teased with him a little bit. You know, he, he, he was at the fence line and he was... And uh, he said, Preacher, what kind of church do you have anyway? I've never asked you. What kind of a church? This guy had been driving me nuts. He said, what kind of a church do you have? What kind of church are you building there anyway? I said, well, it's, it's one of them snake handling churches. <laughs> so I said, if you ever see a rattler over in your yard, just pick him up and toss him back over the fence. You don't ever have to worry about snake handling in here. If we see a snake in here, I'm going to get a garden hoe and have my wife kill it. I tell you what. <laughs> and then one guy over here, he, he lived over here, and uh, somebody ran over our first sign that we had out there. We put up a new one, and it was, it was brighter than the one that we had. But uh, one day the St. Louis County inspector showed up and said, you've got to take that, do something about the, 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 the light from the sign is leaving your property. I said, well, how am I supposed to keep it from leaving the property? He said, well, it's leaving the property. And so, so I, I said, well, well, he said, your neighbor's complaining about it. Now, if the neighbor would have come to me first and talked to me, I'd have been over backwards to try to do something. But he reported us step one. You know, you don't do that to your neighbor. You don't report them step one. You go talk to him. And if he'd have come talk to me, we'd have done everything that we could. Anyway, the county inspector shows up and says, you've got to keep the light from leaving your property. And I said, well, who's, who's he said, one of your neighbors is complaining. I said, well, which neighbor is it? I can't tell you that. It's private. I said, well, if you can't tell me, where, how am I supposed to fix it? He said, well, just fix it. So anyway... We did some things to dim the sign down, and and uh, <laughs> and we did all we could, and and so the inspector comes back by the one day after we dimmed that thing down as dim as we could dim it, and he said uh, he came back by and he said it's still not dim enough, and he and then he said I said well how do you what do you mean and, he, and the inspector told me he said well I was over there last night checking it out and he said when I go up to the man's you know the, the the foundation he said when I put my hand up now this is like you know 50 60 yards away he says if I go down in the leftmost corner of his house and I move my hand I can see a little shadow on the wall and you know that's unreasonable and I said that's enough that's it I said from now on sir you're going to talk to my attorney <laughs> so attorney got involved Never heard any more from it. And then we prayed that that guy that was crabbing about the light, we prayed that he'd repent from being unreasonable. You know, there's unreasonable people. Or move. That's what we were believing. He'd repent or move. And so a couple of, I don't know, a month or so later, there's a sign in the yard. <laughs> For sale. And he moved. And we brought the lights back up. And nobody's ever said a word since. Glory to God. But real loud say opposition. opposition. And then, so what was the first thing you'll face? Skeptics. What's the second thing? Opposition. Third thing is departure of support. Departure of support. Paul made this statement. He said, this was in 2 Timothy. He made this statement. I'll just read it to you. He said, Demas, this was a, a man that worked with him. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed. Whenever you step out to do what God has called you to do, whatever that is, whenever you obey him, at some point you're going you're gonna to have people that will come and support, but you'll always have a departure of support. Every man of God in the Bible that I read and study about has always dealt with that. 
a departure of support. And it wasn't just Demas with Paul, but as you study his life and ministry, so many people walked away from him. Now think about it. They walked away from Paul. Did you know they walked away from Jesus? I said they walked away from Jesus. And they walked away from Paul. Paul was a chosen vessel of God who God used to write almost two-thirds of the New Testament. Yet you had people by the droves walking away from him. Now Paul could have made a mistake, but did Jesus ever make a mistake? They walked away from Jesus, is that right? And they, and they walked away from Paul. Now, Paul didn't make a mistake when he wrote the Bible. I'm not saying that, but he was a human being. He, he could miss it. Jesus never missed it. The point I'm making is, is that whenever you're obeying God and doing what he wants you to do, you're going to have at some point or at different points, you're going to have a departure of support. And all these things are designed to try to stop you from having anniversaries. and having. You know what I'm saying? And then the fourth thing that Paul had to deal with was, was the shaft. Realize I say the shaft? shaft? Has anybody ever gotten a shaft? You know what I mean by the shaft? Paul often got the shaft for obeying God and helping people. On so many occasions, Paul yielded to the Holy Spirit and he got a lot of people helped, healed, and delivered, yet he would get the shaft. I remember Paul got a crippled man in Lystra healed for which Paul got stoned and drug outside the city and left for dead. Paul got a demon-possessed fortune teller delivered from the evil spirit for which he wound up in prison. Paul heard from the Holy Spirit on one occasion about an ill-fated voyage to Rome. And his godly wisdom was not listened to and Paul wound up shipwrecked from which he and the crew of that ship, as a result of Paul fasting and seeking God, escaped. Remember? They, got, they escaped from the, the shipwreck. And they made it to the Isle of Malta. And once on the isle, Paul was bitten by a poisonous snake. point I'm making here is that you can obey God. You can do what God's told you to do. You can help people. You can get people healed and set free by the power of God, by yielding to the power of God. You understand? You can be the instrument through which God blesses people and helps people and get the shaft. So what were the four things that will try to keep us from anniversaries? What was the first one? Skeptics. What was the second one? Opposition. What was the third one? Departure of support. What's the fourth one? The shaft. Has anybody ever got the shaft besides me? You pay somebody's house payment because they're going to lose their house. And then in two weeks they've left. And they hadn't just left, they're talking bad about you. <laughs> That's why you better do these things unto the Lord. So those are the four things that will try to stop all of us from having anniversaries. Now let me give you real quickly the four things that if we'll do them, that Paul, these things Paul did will allow us to Make it 19 years and another 19 years and just until the Lord tarries, just go right on. The first thing, you have to be bound and determined. Bound and determined. Look at this, Acts 20, 22. Let's turn there, Acts 20, 22. Notice this. Paul, if you're going to make it and, 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 and fulfill what God's called you to do, whatever that may be, you're going to have to be bound and determined to finish the course. Look at Acts 20, 22. Paul's writing here and he says, Now I go bound in the Spirit. See, bound. I go bound in the Spirit. He's bound and determined. I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. See, when you're obeying God, you don't know all the details. He gives you a general direction. You obey it in faith and step out and go. And he goes bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Wow. As you study into this, there were a lot of people, even well-meaning people, that tried to talk Paul out of doing what God told him to do. But he never listened to them. He continued to listen to God. 
And he went bound in the Spirit. Even though the Holy Spirit was warning him that there was going to be problems when he got there, he knew in his heart that he was supposed to go. And notice verse 24, he says, None of these things move me. See, if you're going to have anniversaries and, and, and make it any length of time, you're going to have to know what God's told you to do. And none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish see, I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So what's the first thing you're going to have to do if you're going to have many anniversaries? You're going to have to be bound and determined and let nothing, the devil or people yielding to the devil that they throw in your path, you don't let them stop you. You see, you have to make up your mind Settle it in your heart and you're going to do this because that's what God wants you to do and you, you, you just, you're bound and determined. Realize I say bound and determined. you to be bound and determined. Then the second thing we see is that you're going to have to stay submitted to God. If you're a note taker, you want to write that down. You're going to have to stay submitted to God and His plan and godly authority. You're going to have to stay submitted to God And we see that Paul always did that. He stayed submitted to God. He stayed submitted to his local church. He stayed submitted to, even though he was an apostle and God used him to write nearly two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul had a local church. He had a local pastor. And he stayed submitted to godly leadership. You're going to have to stay submitted. There were times that Paul didn't agree with what the godly leadership was directing him to do. Now, it never violated the word of God. Remember, if, if, if somebody asks you to violate the word of God, you ought to obey God rather than man. Is that right? But there's instances where, where the godly leadership asked Paul to do some things that he didn't agree with, but it wasn't directly going against Scripture, so he went, went ahead and submitted. It's one of the reasons he became an aged man and was able to fulfill his ministry. He stayed submitted to God, to his plan, and he also resisted the devil. Doesn't the Bible say in the book of James, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he'll flee? See, Paul not only stayed submitted to God, but he was one that resisted the devil. When that saucer opposed him, when he stepped out as an apostle, uh, if you read it, you'll see that, that, that Paul rebuked that, 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 that demonic power that that, that that saucer was yielding to. If you're going to make it, you're going to have to be a, a, somebody that resists the devil. Did you hear me? You're going to have to be somebody that resists the devil because the devil and people yielding to the devil are going to throw all kinds of these opposition things and all these skeptics and all this departure of support and and the shaft and all that. They're going to throw that in your way. You're going to have to be bound and determined. You're going to have to stay submitted to God, stay soft of heart. And you're going to have to be somebody that doesn't fight people, but somebody that will resist the devil. Did you hear what I just said? So easy, that, especially as a pastor, to want to fight the people. And you don't fight people. You don't come against people. You can come against that thing that they're yielding to. But you see, our resistance is, is against the devil. We need to submit to God and resist the devil. So Paul, he was bound and determined. He stayed submitted to God, to the plan of God. He was a fighter. He was a resistor. He would resist the, the power of darkness. And then the third thing is that he refused to quit. Real loud, say, say this. Say, Paul refused to quit. Paul refused to quit. Yeah, he refused to quit. Quitters don't make it very, very far in the things of God. Because when God calls you to do something, it's usually not an easy thing. It's usually not something that's going to be a bed of roses and easy. It's going to take some work, some blood, sweat, and tears. It's going to be opposition. And you're going to have to have the attitude that I refuse to quit. Now, you need to realize Paul thought about quitting. Has anybody besides me and Paul ever thought about giving up and quitting? Huh? Oh, yeah. I raised both hands, both legs. How many thought about quitting more than once? More than twice? More than three times? Four times? Do I see five? Okay. <laughs> Notice Philippians 1.23. Go there real quickly. Philippians 1.23 shows us where Paul 
wanted to quit, but he didn't. Notice this. Philippians 1.23. He said, I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a, desire, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. So were there times in his life, at least one time anyway, that he wanted to just, let's just go on and be with the Lord. Let's just, it's enough's enough. Oh, yeah. There's times Paul, I mean, you study his life. He, he says, let's just go on and be with the Lord. This is far better than this. He got beat up a lot, you know. A lot of persecution. Christians in the United States don't even know what persecution is. Compared to what goes on in some of these other countries. But verse 24, he, he said this, Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is what is more needful for you. And that's why you don't give up and quit, particularly as a minister, because there are people that God has assigned to you that he wants you to help, and you don't give up and quit if for no other reason because you're there to help those people. And you see, he said, yeah, I'd rather go on to be, to be with the Lord in heaven, be far better, but, but these people here need me, so I'm going to stay. So first of all, you must be bound and determined. You must stay submitted to God, be a resistor of the devil, and you must not quit. You know, I admire, admire the Apostle Paul for not quitting because if there was ever a man that, that, that could have made a good case in court for quitting, it was him. I mean, let me just read you a few things. You know, and we see what he did when these things opposed him. Remember when he was kicked out of town, we mentioned that a moment ago, and when they ran him out of town. Remember what he did? He shook off the dust from his feet against them. Sometimes you just got to shake the dust off. When people come against you and run you out or tell you they don't want to be with you no more, they don't like you no more, or whatever the case, you know, he shook off the dust from his feet against them, and the Bible says he came to Iconium, and the disciples there were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You know, when people ran Paul out of town, he just did what Jesus told him to do, shake off the dust, and he went on somewhere else, and he blessed some people some other place. Can, can you say amen? When he was in prison for doing good, he got that demon-possessed fortune teller, delivered from that demon spirit, he wound up in prison at midnight. Does anybody know what he was doing at midnight? Was he crabbing and complaining, or was he praying and singing hymns to God? praying and singing hymns to God. When he was bitten by the poisonous snake there on Malta, does anybody remember what happened when the snake bit him? What did he do? He what? There's some things. If you're going to make it and have, have numerous anniversaries, uh, you know, you're going to have to, when things come against you, when things bite you, I've been bitten by some snakes over the years, and I don't mean real ones. You know, you know what I mean? The kind that slither on the ground. I'm talking about the kind that walk on two feet. And any minister, anybody has been. Jesus was bitten by him. Do you understand that? Moses was. How would you like to lead a group of people across the Red Sea and then within a short period of time they're grumbling and complaining? How would you like to, to, to strike a rock and have water come out and, and, and the people drink and, and then they're crabbing and complaining because they don't have anything to eat. And then you have quail come down or whatever it is in the manna. And then they're crabbing and complaining because they don't like the taste of it. Think about what Moses went through. He got bit by some snakes, didn't he? You know what I'm talking about? And any, any minister, any, any, anybody is going to uh, have people that oppose them. And, 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 but, but realize they shake it off. Yeah, he shook, the Bible says he shook it off. If you're going to have anniversaries and make it, you're going to have to shake some things off. You're going to just have to sh just refuse to quit, shake it off, knock the dust off your feet, shake it off. He shook the thing off and he went right on. It's interesting, the people that were watching him, it's interesting, that it, it said, I'll just read this to you. They were expecting that Paul would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they looked for a long time, you know, people will do that. Do you know there's a lot of people 
And, and this amazes me, but, and I've been amazed by this for years and years and years. But you know, there's people, that, there's some people that, I'll just speak of it, there's, there's people that want me to fail. Did you know there's people who want you to fail? I have never understood that, but there, I, I don't know, I guess they feel justified. I don't know what it is, but, but they'll stand. And, and, and did you know that there are people that rejoice when they hear that something bad has happened to you? Did you know that? Yeah, some snake bit him, and I don't mean a real snake. I mean something bad happened. And then you shake it off, but guess what they'll do? They'll stand even from afar and they'll watch. And they'll listen to see. I wonder if he's going under on this one. I wonder if he's going under on that one. I wonder if he's going under on this one. And they're actually waiting, hoping that they go under because you rejoice if they do. But after a long time, they'll watch. And they watch Paul and they saw no harm came to him. And then they change their minds. I tell you what, if you walk with God and if you shake things off, no harm ultimately will come to you. Can you say amen? amen? And people watch you long enough and they'll watch and they'll wait and they'll hope that you, that you fail. And when they see you don't, in Paul's case, they change their minds. How many of you know people can change their mind pretty quick? And they said he is a God. At one moment, they thought he was a real bad criminal, and then just that quick, they changed their mind and thought he was a god. So you're going to have to refuse to quit. Realize, say, refuse to quit. And then the last thing might be the most important one if you're going to make it, and we'll close with this, is support. You're going to have to have support. Even though the vast majority who at one time worked with Paul eventually forsook him, he had a good core group of people who supported him, although sometimes few in number. I remember when Paul first got saved, when Saul became Paul, and we read, I noted a moment ago, and the the disciples weren't going to accept him. There was a man named Barnabas. His name means son of encouragement. He was there, and he encouraged Paul. And he brought him to the disciples and said, hey, this guy's okay. He vouched for him. You're going to need support. You're going to need, even if there's just a few people, you're going to have to have some people that will stick with you and support you. And we've had, thank God, we've had that over 19 years. We've had a core group of people that have always stuck with us and have supported and encouraged. A good core group. When Paul was stoned and left for dead... The Bible says that there were some disciples there that gathered around him and evidently prayed over him. You need those people when after the devil has had his crowd stone you. And how many of you know there are the devil and there are Christians yielding to the devil that will leave you for dead sometimes? Did you hear me? But thank God for that good core group of people that surrounded Paul. And you know what? He got raised back up and you know what? He didn't quit. He wasn't a quitter. He went right back into the city and he went on with the work of God. Can you say amen? Amen. And you know that even Barnabas, who started with Paul and encouraged him, even he had a disagreement with Paul concerning Mark. Remember on that second journey that Barnabas wanted to take Mark along and Paul said no. And they had a disagreement and Barnabas and Mark departed from Paul. But Paul went right on. He chose Silas and he continued. You know, those who departed Paul, now listen to this, those who departed from Paul because they disagreed with an essential doctrine of the word of God, Paul rebuked them. But those who departed from Paul due to a disagreement over a non-essential issue... Paul never rebuked them. But like with Mark, years later he said, send Mark, he's useful to me for ministry. One thing that I've never done is I've never compromised the word of God. I never have. That t- t- I haven't been perfect, but I've had people walk away from me because I would not compromise this book. That's one thing 
that, that, that I, I'm not perfect, but I have done my best to keep this pulpit as pure as, as I can doctrinally. So even when Barnabas walked away from Paul, he chose Silas and he continued. And he had a good support group, even though they were few in number. Luke, Timothy, Titus, Priscilla, Aquila. Notice 1 Corinthians, I'm almost done here. 1 Corinthians 16, 17. Just, just, just a few more minutes and we'll, we'll close. I'm sharing things that, that will help you to have many anniversaries and, 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 and complete the things God's told you to do. Notice what Paul says here. I'm glad, 1 Corinthians 16, 17. I'm glad about the coming of Stephanus, Forchanus, and Achaeus. Most people never heard about of these people. They've heard of Luke and Timothy and Titus, but they've never heard about Stephanus, Forchanus, and Achaeus. For what was lacking on your part, they what? They supplied. So there are people in Corinth that would, didn't help Paul as they should, but these, you know, they're, thank God for the, the core group of people that stick with you that make up the slack for what other people who are supposed to do things that don't do them. There's always a core group that'll pick up the slack, like Stephanus, Forchanus, Achaeus. For what was lacking on your part, they supplied. For they refreshed my spirit. Why was Paul able to be known as the aged? Because he had people, not only Luke, Timothy, Titus, Priscilla, Aquila, these people, but he also had Stephanus, Perchanus, and Achaeus. And look at 2 Timothy 1.16. And we'll close. Look at this. 2 Timothy 1.16. How many has ever heard of Onesiphorus? You've probably never heard of him. You've heard of Moses. You've heard of Joshua. You've heard of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You've never heard of Onesiphorus. Paul knows who he is. Look at this. The, look, 2 Timothy 1.16, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. For he often, re, he often what? Refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. That's when Paul was a prisoner. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day, in the day of judgment, that you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. See, if you're going to make it, if you're going to make it, you're going to have to be bound and determined. You're going to have to stay submitted to God and a resistor of the devil. You're going to have to refuse to give up and quit. And you're going to have to have a few good men, a few good women, a few good people that will stick with you. Otherwise, you won't make it through all those anniversaries. And in the last 19 years, I'm so grateful for the as I close this message for the, the, the core group of people that we have had that have stuck with us and supported us. And, and I won't get into naming all of them because I'm just not going to do that. But I just want you to know I know who you are and I'm thankful and grateful. And, uh, and we'll do another 19 years if the Lord tarries. Amen. But I tell you what, one of the things, and I, I'll leave you with this thought, and I, I, I've never had to... to Released to share this, I've shared it with the, the the group privately. That you know the the leaders privately, but I've never shared it publicly. But I feel I, I, Lord wants me to, so we'll do this and we'll close. But uh, some years, about I don't know, three years ago, give or take, maybe four, I don't know, somewhere in there, had a whole group, big group of people just just walked away from Pastor Diane and I. Just just they 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 just left. Now, why did they walk away from you, Pastor Terry? Well, why did they walk away from Paul? <laughs> Try to love people. I didn't just just being me. I just why did they walk away from Paul? I, I, it's one thing when you have people walk away from you, but then it's another thing when people when you, when you ain't did's nothing. Realize I ain't did's nothing. I had a kid. I was teaching. I was teaching school, junior high. And uh, years ago, and I just thought I'd have a little fun with this kid. And I remember he was sitting there, and it was seventh hour of the day, and he he wasn't doing anything wrong, but I thought I'd have a little fun with him. And so I just started staring at him. And they were doing their homework, you know. And and I just sat at my desk. I just started staring at him. And boy, he was getting nervous, and he was, you know, he started perspiring. Bless the little kid's heart. I was just having a little fun. And he was he was, and finally he looked up at me and. He said, Mr. Sheel, I ain't did nothing. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> How many of you ain't did nothing, but yet people have walked away and, yeah, I ain't did nothing. 
Paul ain't did nothing. Jesus, you know he ain't did nothing that deserved people to walk away. Is that right? But any man of God, anybody's going to have that. But about three or four years ago, I had, had a bunch of people. And, and I don't bring that stuff in the pulpit. If you notice, I don't, this is not a soapbox. I come here and teach the word of God if there's one or, or a thousand. This is no place to have a soap opera. Say amen. amen. I never talk about those things publicly. I just don't pay no attention to them. We just go right on. But you know, you're human. How many is human in here besides me? It's one thing when folks walk away from you, but it's another thing when, when you ain't did nothing, they walk away from you and they badmouth you. And you don't, you know, I don't keep my ear to the ground listening, but you don't think you hear, how many ever, you know, you don't want to hear things, but you hear things, is that right? And, and some, some folk that we helped marvelously over the years, that we helped them marvelously, helped them marvelously, and, and bad-mouthing and going on. I seldom talk about this, so you might not hear me talk like this for another 19 years. And, uh, and, you know, that'll just make you feel real good, won't it? So we're human, my wife and I. It's feeling kind of low there. And uh, I've never shared this publicly. But the call comes from Joyce Meyer Ministries. You ever heard of them? And the call came from Dave and Joyce Meyer themselves. They didn't call, but their, one of their personal assistants called. And said, uh, and, and, and the person that called said to me that, that the Lord had laid something on Dave and Joyce's heart and they wanted to come over and share it with, with me. It was for me and Diane, my wife. And I said, well, surely, surely. And so they came over and I met with them. And uh, they said that, and they didn't know anything about what was going on, nothing. So I don't talk about that. I don't, this is not a soap opera. Say amen. I, I don't talk about it. Talk about it with my wife and maybe a few of the leaders, but I don't talk. Anyway, uh, so there is one of their personal representatives, quality individual, came over and said, and, and stood right up there with me. We met him at the church and said that, that the Lord had laid it on Dave and Joyce's heart to tell us to come over and commend my wife and I for faithfully standing our post here at this church. And then they handed us a, a, a very generous monetary offering for the church. But you know what? As much as I appreciated the, the monetary you know what meant more to me than that? Was that ministers of their... I'm talking Dave and Joyce Meyer. I'm talking somebody that God is using to reach two-thirds of the globe with the gospel. That God would speak to their heart and come over and commend. That blessed me far more than any money ever could. And the Lord dealt with my heart. He said, now are you going to be down in the dumps over a few people talking bad about you who've never built anything for him. They hadn't even built a chicken coop for him. All they have done is cause trouble in churches and problems. Are you going to let that get you down or are you going to be encouraged by somebody that's reaching two-thirds of the globe with the gospel? And, 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 and they're saying something good. Now, which, which do you want to go with? I believe I'll go with Joyce Meyer. Amen. And it blessed me. That if nothing else, we've been faithful at standing our post. And I'm going to stand this post until the Lord tells me to do something else. Did you hear me? If he leads me and directs me at some time to do something else, he knows 1037 New Sugar Creek Road, he knows where I'm at, he can come talk to me and we'll go do something else. But until then, I stand right here and we preach the word. Rain or shine, wind or no wind, hot or cold. Just like the postman, amen? amen? Glory to God. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Well, why did I share this message today? Well, I thought it was good for an anniversary. It's what the Lord wanted me to share. And, and so what are the four things we'll review? What are the four things that are going to come against you? Skeptics, opposition, departure of support, and you're going to sometimes get the what? The shaft.
And to make anniversaries and to make it, you're going to have to be bound and determined. You're going to have to stay submitted to God and resist the devil. You're going to have to refuse to give up and quit. And you're going to have to have a good support staff, a few good people that will stick with you and stay with you, and you'll make it. Can you say amen? And don't forget after the service, there's heart's desire out there. If you want to help this missionary lady in uh, China, just put, put some money in there, put a dollar in, put $2 in. Somebody might put $1,000 in. It's between you and the Lord. I don't say hardly anything about... Have you ever noticed I, I hardly say anything about money around here? Have you ever noticed that? How many has ever noticed I say little to nothing about money? And we have a ministry that's probably worth... If you added it all up, probably worth but somewhere between one and a half million, two million dollars, somewhere in there. That's a lot of money to some people. I know to Donald Trump that's not a lot, but and you know what's all paid off. Isn't that wonderful? No, isn't that wonderful? And we've said almost nothing about money over nineteen years. Isn't that wonderful? So maybe somebody maybe got laid on somebody's heart to put a bunch of money in there for this lady up here. Have you ever noticed we don't receive have you ever seen me get up and receive a special offering to we need to pave the parking lot or we need to do this, that, or the other? Have you ever seen? We don't do that. That's one another reason you make it 19 years. You, you, you understand. But we will get up and we'll ask for you to contribute to a missionary or some other good cause. Amen? Praise God forevermore. So get involved in that. Praise God. And then uh, don't forget after the service, just minute, minutes from now, I'm going to change. I'm going to be like Superman. I'm going to change out of this suit. Why do you always wear a suit? You ever wonder why I always wear a suit? I know Connie wants to know why I always wear a suit. <laughs> Curtis wants to know why I always wear a suit. Because I, I always wore a suit to church when I was a little kid. Ever since I was that tall, Mama dressed me in a suit to go to church. I had a little suit. And that suit just kept getting bigger. <laughs> and so I... And now I got this suit. I wear, I, I don't know, I just always train when you, I, you know, so you dress just modestly is the main thing. But I always wear a suit. But I'm going to change out of my suit into some shorts and, a, and I've got a pink shirt I'm going to wear, praise God. You've got to be a real man to wear pink. We don't call it pink, we call it salmon. Say salmon. Salmon. 